Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Listen This Speak podcast, where we get into it to build someone up and not to break them down. I'm your host, Jamal Marshall, here with Shaheen Cheyenne. Let me introduce you to him. Shaheen is the CEO and chairman of a brain nutrition startup, Accelerated Intelligence. It's a startup that is, I'm telling you guys, it's just, you guys have heard of it. So this is no secret or anything like that. He's the president and founder of Podcast Cola. He's also an award-winning entrepreneur, writer, filmmaker, and public speaker. With over $35 million in sales to boast, I believe that this is going to be a sky-high value podcast, and he's also ranked number one in internet sales. So let's go. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Thanks for having me on, Jamal. Thanks for coming on, man. I am really, really excited and licking my chops to jam with you. Uh, Been stalking you for a little while, (laughs) Uh, but I want to talk a lot about some of the past and a bit of the present, but I have a question that I ask every guest that comes on to here. Uh, just because I want to get a, a tenor of like where they are and how they process entail. So what is your favorite genre of music and how favorite is- genre of music at the moment, reggae. And I think at any given point, it's funny, you know, I've got a, a nine-year-old and I've taught him one very specific thing about music. And that's this, that there are two kinds of people in the world. Those that like Bob Marley and everybody else. What? Okay, talk to me about that. Flesh that out for me. Well, you know, I think Bob Marley is one of the most influential musicians of all time. And what's amazing about him is that his music transcends. It transcends cultures, transcends uh, national boundaries, borders. I mean, you can go anywhere. I mean, I was sitting in a uh, coffee shop with former Khmer Rouge uh, people in Cambodia. I mean, these were armed militia, militant people on uh, on an expedition I did in Cambodia a while ago. And Bob Marley comes on and they're all jamming to Bob Marley. And then you, you travel to Africa and there's people there. Everybody knows Bob Marley. You come back to the States, everybody knows Bob Marley. And his music really is one of spreading a message of love and harmony. And if you don't like that, you got some problems. I would be inclined to agree. Uh, typically, where I go with this question is how does it affect the way you move about the earth, both personally and professionally? And you've moved about the earth in many different places, in many different cultures, and have impacted many different businesses. So is this, reggae is the answer now, but was that always the case? You know, look, I'm not the type of person when it comes to music, I find music to be something that's very personal mm. and very important to our existence as people. You can be sitting across from somebody that you have seemingly no connection with whatsoever. And you're looking at that dude and going, man, me and this guy have nothing in common. And then a Pink Floyd song comes on and you've heard it a million times and he's heard it a million times. And maybe what resonates with him is something different than what resonates with you. But you both look at each other and you get it. 
right? And you can forge a friendship just around that harmony of music. That's the power of music. It brings us together. And that's really, you know, look, I, I talk a lot to people about business. I teach people how to make money and how to utilize what they have in order to succeed. And one of the most important things about success is network. And how do you build network? And that's by finding commonalities, finding things that bring you together with other people. What our differences are don't matter as much as long as there is a harmony in the frequency of who we are. And that can come through music. It can come through art. It can come through film. But really, music is one of the most powerful ways to do that. And if you meet two people and they both like Bob Marley, chances are they can get along. They might not agree on everything, but they can get along. Imagine, just imagine if in every political rally that they had out there, they had to, for 45 minutes, play Bob Marley music. <laughs> we, we'd have a lot more peaceful, uh, peaceful rallies, I think. <laughs> Shane, there's a lot of thoughts going through my head. I mean, you just dropped the mic so many different levels there. And I want to touch on something because you're a serial entrepreneur, but you've been doing this since you were a teenager. Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time. And so that ability to connect with your fellow man in different ways, bring out the best in them, draw in folks, but also develop a product that is useful for the person has been something that's been in you for a while. Now, as a teenager, the brain isn't fully developed. We know that until we're 25. And for some people, I'd like to say 45. That's just me being shady. <laughs> How were you able, as a teenager, doing startups to make a decision to establish, this is the way I want to walk about the earth. This is the impact that I want to have that young and all the lessons that need to be learned. Well, I was hungry when I was young, literally hungry. And I, I tell people this oftentimes, you can't teach hunger. You can't teach the pursuit of sustenance when you absolutely have to have it to survive. You can't teach that to people. Right? Hunger is not something that can be taught. Hunger is something mm -hmm. that's, that's established deep within. It comes from... Uh, a, a very serious discipline, a survival instinct that is born inside of you when you lack something or you don't have something, right? And, and literally hunger is the absence of food, right? You don't have food. Your body isn't nourished. You are hungry. So you can't teach hunger. Either somebody has it or they don't. And when I was that young, I literally had hunger. We didn't have any money. I mean, my parents came here with literally the clothes on their backs. They had to fight for everything that they got. My dad had to work odd jobs, strange jobs at a pizza place, at a dry cleaners. He he struggled for almost 30 years here in this country and, and never really perfected learning English, never really did any of that stuff, but we got by, right? And I wanted more than that. My experience as an immigrant was one of knowing that I was capable of more mm -hmm. and finding my own path to achieve that. And when you, when you have that hunger, when you have that chip on your shoulder, when, you know, like when I, I went to school here, uh, I got beat up every day. It was just the order of the day. I came here. I, th I thought that's what happened in school. <laughs> you know, I didn't speak any English. I was a foreign Iranian kid coming from Iran. And I showed up in a school where 
people just didn't understand. It was during Iran-Contra, got called all kinds of names, and I just get the shit kicked out of me at school every day. And I look back at that, and I actually have a sense of gratitude for that because I think to myself, man, that didn't break me down. It made me stronger. Every time, and, and this was the thing with me as a kid, every time somebody, and I got knocked out. I think kids today don't get knocked out. I got knocked out all the time. Um, but eventually I learned how to defend myself. I learned mm. martial arts. And through martial arts, I learned discipline. And when I got good at it, then people just stopped effing with me. You know, people stopped messing around with me because they knew that now not only would I not just keep getting back up, I could also fight back. And I, I feel like that thing strengthened my spirit. It didn't break me down. Some people, it can break you down. Some people become passive aggressive. They back into a shell, right? And and they start hating the world. And then you get you get disharmony and, and negativity and you get things like that. And 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 look, I I get that, but if you're the type of person, and I look for this when I mentor and I coach people, if you're the type of person, it doesn't matter how many times they knock you down, you're gonna get up and you're gonna succeed. That's the mark of a true warrior. That's the mark of somebody who who is going to make it because they have no other option. Hey, okay. I'm looking for Thor to pick up the mic because it dropped like 10 times. <laughs> He's the only one strong enough to actually pick this thing up. I'm going to do my best <laughs> to pick it up and run with you here. Uh, what I hear is the word, and obviously as a counselor, I'm thinking resilience. That's just the word that comes to me, but also authority. You know, we're in the age of information. You've been doing this for over 20 years. And so everyone out here has a brand. Everyone out here, quote unquote, has a voice. But it's like when you get past Canva and Fiverr, what is really the substance beneath that? Where's the measure of authority that is the foundation of your brand? And this foundation was actually built through hardship, through poverty, through actually even getting beat up, through resistance. You know, that's when we go into the gym and we burn that muscle. That's what puts, that's what gives you that brick house body. And so I'm hearing authority here. And I'm hearing when you're coaching, you're actually putting into them the essence of something that you have lived for years. You can't yeah. start over 200 businesses, folks, <laughs> if you don't know how to get back up. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to fail. The winners in life aren't the people who never fail. In fact, it's the people who fail most often and quickest and get back up and change things around. So next time around, they don't fail as bad. It's interesting. My jujitsu teacher at my jujitsu studio teaches us a very important lesson. So when I first started out, my goal, and Brazilian jujitsu for you guys who don't know is a grappling art. The Gracies popularized it uh, in the United States. And the, the reason why uh, he teaches in this way, I think is very interesting. When I started a couple of years ago, I, or I should say uh, seven or eight years ago, my thought was, I'm always going to get the win. I always have to try to win. And what I learned uh, through, through my instructor is actually that you don't always have to win. Sometimes you're going to be put in a bad position and you just have to get in a little bit of a less bad position. And then in a little bit of a less bad position until you can put yourself in a place that may not be all that bad and then finally get in a good position. So it could be levels, but as, as alpha leaders, as like, as, as people that are driven to succeed, we want to always go for the win right away. And that's not always the case. Sometimes it's okay to get yourself from a bad position to a position that might not be as bad. 
where you can take a little bit of a breath, take a little pressure off you, and then move into a slightly different position. And each step of the way brings you closer to a win. Even though you're not going straight for the win, you're taking four steps to get to that place. It's, it's kind of a, a simple yet complicated concept that's worked very well for me in my life, I think. And so I, I always equate my life to uh, jujitsu and, and, and grappling. And I think that's one of the reasons why I find it so fascinating. Chess is the same way. Shane, I am picking up what you're putting down. And I'm loving the sports analogy because for those who understand jujitsu, it's something that you can relate to. Um, one sport I think at least some people have watched is the sport of tennis. And it's nothing like me. I, I think of the greats, Federer, Nadal, Serena. How many times have they had comeback wins, come from behind wins? And like, there's a seven, six in the third. And it's like, okay, well, they were losing the match. They were down five. Oh, when this match, when this thing started up and all of a sudden they came back and won in a tie break. It's like, while they were losing, they were winning. They were collecting yeah. those data points to say, okay, keep hitting to their backhand. Or wait a minute, maybe I need to serve out wide. And so when I think of that sports analogy, you're just getting my mind working of fail forward. There's going to be that. failure. And for those who are thinkers, because there's going to be a lot of thinkers listening to this, progress over perfection. Some of mm. us love the idealistic bright lights of I'm not going to fail. I'm going to succeed every time. I'm going to, I'm going to always hit. I'm never going to miss. When you miss, it's an opportunity to learn. So I'm just loving what you're throwing down, but it's from experience. That's right, man. That's right. And, and look, I have an Amazon course now. It's uh, called uh, Amazon. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, FBASellerCourse.com. Forgive me, I almost forgot the URL. It's FBA for Fulfillment by Amazon, SellerCourse.com, where we teach people how to create Amazon businesses and make money on Amazon. And I always know, I tell people, the likelihood of you succeeding is very low. And most people fail. I tell them that from the get-go. But these are this is the difference between the people who succeed and the people who fail. And I've seen people, I've coached people to create seven, eight-figure Amazon businesses where they have that kind of money coming in all the time. And the difference is this. Difference number one, they put themselves in a position of power to start with, which means that they have enough capital where they don't really have to worry that much about if they're going to lose the money, if it's going to ruin their life, if like, you know, if it's going to be something catastrophic, right? So they have that money to play with. The second part of it is that they are not playing it like roulette, meaning what? You, you throw the little ball on the table, you get red, you win, green, you lose, you know, whatever, and, and you're off the, off the game. The way they're playing it is they're putting bets on lots of different numbers. And then if they lose, that's okay, because they're not going to lose the lesson. Then they're going to take that lesson and they're going to come back again and they're going to come back again. And each time they're changing something. So after long enough time, they're going to have a business that's creating predictable recurring revenues. And again, that's fbasellercourse.com. Anybody that's interested, reach out to me. I'm sure we'll we'll share the links here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for anybody who's listening to your show, I've got a two-hour course that teaches you everything you need to know about Amazon. It's normally 200 bucks. So let's give it to them for free, Jamal. So if you guys just mentioned, what is the title of your podcast, Jamal? Listen this week. Listen this week. So just mention, listen this week. Listen or then speak. Listen and speak. Then. Always then listen speak. first okay. and speak. It's all good. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So if you just mentioned the code, listen, then speak in the subject heading. I'll give you guys all my email. It's D-A-R-K. Z-E-S-S -S at gmail.com or Shaheen at podcastcola.com. 
email me. I'll give you the two-hour course for free, no obligation, no credit card, nothing. If I can empower you to start an Amazon business, I'd love to do that. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the difference between the winners and the ones that never get it off the ground is that the winners are like, what do we need to do to get this going? And, you know, they launch something, maybe it succeeds, maybe it fails, maybe it meets somewhere in the middle. That's cool. They're going to take those lessons and they're going to keep going. They're going to keep going. They're going to learn. They're going to watch. They're going to model other successful people, other successful products, other successful companies, and really make it happen. The dude that goes out there and goes, oh, well, I guess it didn't make it. That dude is the dude that's never going to get it off the ground. He's going to go back to drive an Uber. Tough, hard words. The words that I think someone listening needs to hear. Yeah. Because it's so easy. I, I tell clients all the time, the mind is a control tower to the body. This is the epicenter of the way that we move about the earth. What you think and what you believe about yourself is going to be who you are. That's and it's right. those hard things. It's like kind of that thing that you would just resist internally that you mm. need to hear the most. It's the tearing down of the muscle that builds it up. And so for those who have heard and want to listen to and use that code, use it. This will empower you. Why not? If not you, who? If not now, when? But <laughs> I want to holler at you just about your story from young Shaheen. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to talk a little bit about the book Billion. Now, guys, if you see the cover, uh, our friend is a very attractive man. But today, this, this uh, hairstyle that he has is not the hairstyle that he had on the cover. Um, and so very different dress, very different demeanor. In a sense, of course, you're still the same person you've evolved, but it was a part of the book where you lay out how you were literally on top of the world. You had everything coming in, all the revenue, but you still felt an imposter syndrome. And yeah. you still thought to yourself, how do I maintain all this? Can we talk about your hit space during that season? Sure. So I think what we're talking about is herbal ecstasy, which was mm -hmm. my big product. But when I was, you know, brief intro, when I was about 16 years old, I started a company before I was in my 20s, the company approached a billion dollars in revenue. I write about it in my book. There's a feature film coming out by Academy Award winning studio. The, the book is called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. You can look it up on Amazon. We did an audiobook recently, so you can get the Audible book. But please check it out if you're listening to this and you're inspired by crazy entrepreneurial stories. My headspace at the time, Jamal, was really interesting because I was in a place where I had never seen that much money in my life, nor did I know what to do with it. I, I was raking in millions of dollars. And months earlier, I was literally sleeping on the beach with not a dollar to my name, not a care in the world. And I remembered thinking, holy, you know what is, my goal is not to curse on your show today, but I curse a lot. Uh, I thought to myself, man, you know, uh, if all of this is gone tomorrow, which was the first thought that came to me, like how bad would it be? And at that time, I was like, you know what? I could probably do it again, right? It wasn't that hard to do this time. Uh, I could probably do it again. And then I, I felt a certain amount of relief. But always being that young, having no formal education, I dropped out of, of high school or pre-high school. You know, I don't even think I finished ninth grade. I have a GED, but that was by a fluke. I managed to get one of those. Um, and 
every time I was in a room with millionaires, with billionaires, with people that were seemingly more successful than me, even though I had more money than them, but they had gone to school and had the trappings of success and seemingly knew what to do with their money when I didn't. I mm. felt that imposter syndrome. But having a whole lot more money than them kind of usually put me at ease. And they usually ended up trying to kiss my butt because I had this crazy amount of money. And I was this young kid who everybody wanted to be around and everybody wanted to have a part of whatever it was that I was creating or had created. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And often tell clients, you know, the very thing that annoys you the most is the problem you've created to solve. So herbal ecstasy, what was that birthed out of? I know you were on the rave scene and I know you had seen the use of some drugs kind of dry up. And did you feel like, okay, this is a problem that I need to solve. This is something that I, this is where I want to make an impact and where I want to make a change. So your question is, would you rephrase the question for me? Yeah. So herbal ecstasy, obviously yeah. this is this is something that can actually change the way a person functions, the way the brain works, the way the body follows it. What was the problem that led to you wanting to create that and build that out? Well, okay. So this was during the 90s. I was in the rave electronic music scene and I had a mentor at the time, this guy, Edward Lawson, who was unbeknownst to me, I had no idea, one of the great civil civil rights leaders of the 1980s and 90s. He was, he was a super important person. He was known as a California Walkman, and he was responsible for a lot of the stop and frisk laws being changed single-handedly, took uh, the police departments of several uh, counties uh, to the Supreme Court and won by himself. Um, so this was a, a, an extraordinary man. Uh, and this was before any of the stuff that we have now. Nobody was doing what he was doing. Right. And I met him at the community college, and he mentored me. He was active in the electronic music scene. I got involved in the electronic music scene. Through the electronic music scene, I noticed that there were a lot of unfortunate drugs going around there. And I thought to myself, if I could come up with a legal, natural version, uh, I could make a lot of money. And in fact, that's what I did. I came up with a natural version of ecstasy that I started distributing through the drug dealers who just so happened that they were out of real drugs at the time. The quality of real drugs had really gone down and they were out of pretty much anything that resembled ecstasy. And I came out with herbal ecstasy and sold it through the raves and clubs and then got to mainstream. And we offered an alternative harm reduction measure to negative and and sometimes harmful drugs that they sold at that time. That's world changing, man. Yeah, it was. I mean, and just seeing how much it's blown up, it turned into a multi-million dollar industry. And just the, I, I want people to know just who are listening to us talk. As you listen to Shaheen, it's not linear. <laughs> you know, those who are looking for that linear predictable path make a great divorce from that because that's not going to be how it happens. It may be a conversation with one person. You may just be inspired. I, I don't want to say motivated because I know that kind of comes and goes. <laughs> Passion comes and goes really quickly. Those cortisone hits just, they'll phase out. Boom. But what I'm hearing, especially when you were talking 15 minutes ago, it's just, that was a part of your why. It's like, I've been beat down this long. I'm now getting built, but I want to build others up. 
This is beating down people in a bad way. I want to use this legally to actually build people to build the mind and the body up. So you have to have a why. I'm just, I'm just loving that. And I really want that to become clear to both of our audiences. Uh, now, as someone who's ran multiple businesses and who's running multiple businesses right now, you know, I talk a lot about boundaries. Yeah. So <laughs> what would be some of your key non-negotiables? Because I, I want there to be some takeaways for our audience here, just so that they know, what do I take away? From? I'm looking, I'm, I'm opening the links. I'm looking at the show notes. What are those non-negotiables for Shaheen? Non-negotiables in people I meet, friends, work, business. What, what specifically are you referring to? In your own routine and the people you meet and how you deal with relationships. Yeah. So there, there's a few different things, I think. Um, so I think fun is pretty essential to me at this point, right? Like I've Love got it. enough money. Um, it's always nice to have more. You can do really cool stuff. The more money that you have opens up all kinds of new experiences, which is really what money is best for. So money is, is never a determining factor for me when I look at a project. With that said, it's nice that there's enough money for it to be worth my time. I look at things that I'm interested in, things that I'm fascinated by. I'm a strong believer in follow your fascination. And then cool people. I'll give you an example, actually. So we've got this podcast booking agency. I figured a while ago, and I think that's how you and I met, yep. that podcasts are going to be the hottest thing. Joe Rogan broke the mold. He has a larger audience than CNN and Fox News combined. Mind blown, right? And these are big networks that have been around a long time, billions of dollars. Joe Rogan just blew them all out. Some dude formerly sitting in his garage with a couple buddies recording a show, destroyed the structure and disrupted modern media. So I figured that podcasting is going to be huge, bigger than it is now, bigger than we know. So I started an agency. And what we do is we get people just like you booked on great shows. Why is that important? Because you can borrow other people's audience and send them to whatever it is that you're doing. You can also network with the show hosts, like I'm sure me and you are going to do some work in the future. Additionally, it builds reputation, it builds authority, and you're able to sell through what? Storytelling. The most important way, the oldest, most effective way for anybody to sell anything is through story. And podcasts allow you to do that. So I started this agency and it's been on fire. For anybody who's interested, go to podcastcola.com and book a, book a call with me if you think you'd like to be a guest on great shows just like this one. But a few days ago, and occasionally I get these guys. I had one of these guys, and, and by the way, I live here in Los Angeles. And if you live in Los Angeles, if you just go outside your door right now and grab a coin and just toss it, chances are you'll hit a life coach in the head. There's... Everybody's a life coach now. Everybody's a life coach. Oh. And so this guy calls me. No, I did not call him. He called me. And I'm very, I've seen your work. I'm very excited about talking to you. I would love to be a client. Dope. All right, cool, man. Um, I said, cool. You want to be a client? Great. I'm here to be of service. I come from a place of service, Jamal. 
My goal is to bring value. I don't need the money, but even if I did, I never care about that. I talk to people all day long for free. I'm happy to, to help you, to help you succeed, to build you up. It doesn't matter to me. Honestly, truly, I really don't care. If I get off the call with you and I feel like I served you, I'm good, right? I don't need the money. And that's the attitude I come to with every call. I don't come onto a call with a potential client thinking, I'm going to sell them. Let me sell them something. I come to that call with the attitude of how can I serve this person? And if I can't, maybe I can send them somewhere where I can serve them. So this guy, a real DB, uh, I got this feeling. And I'm a big fan of this, Jamal. I'm a big fan of following your gut. I think it's so essential for everybody to really listen to that little person that's down there in your gut that's telling you things that serve you well. But I took the call anyway out of respect because I believe everybody's deserving of respect. And the first thing this guy did, and this was amazing, whoa, 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 your sales pitch is way off. And I said, listen, buddy, uh, and let's, let's call him Bob just for the sake of this call. That wasn't his real name. And I said, listen, Bob, I'm actually not trying to sell you anything. I'm just here to see if, if we can serve you. And if I can't, then I'll, I'll send you to somebody who could serve you. He said, okay, okay. But let me tell you how this is going to go. And he talks for five minutes and I'm just listening because, all right, cool. I can listen. So I'm listening to the guy. And then the guy goes on and on again about how like my website isn't good and how he doesn't like my logo. My logo should be better. And, you know, he's like trying to life coach me, but I didn't ask him for help. I'm here to try to help dude. So finally, he's, he's says some cockamamie me like deal that he wants to do for me. And I said, look, buddy, I really appreciate it. I don't think this is going to be a fit. How do you think I can help you? And immediately he steps back and he gets really offended. Now, I'm thinking to myself, if it was a much younger me or somebody else, you could push, you could, you know, do all kinds of things to get this guy's business, right? And and for us, you know, it's a few thousand bucks or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, cool. But for me, I think to myself, do I want to work with this guy? Like, do I when this guy calls me on the phone? Like, and I get this cringe response, like, do I want this guy in my life? Do I want this guy in my sphere of influence? And the answer is no. In my many businesses, we fire clients often and we do it respectfully. But if somebody is a difficult person, if somebody is an unpleasant person to be around, if they're abusive of my staff, we kiss them on the forehead and we send them gently out, you know, because it's not worth it. And it's really not worth it. And I truly believe in the long run, you don't make money from those people, right? And some people have had tough lives. You know, you deal with, with people that are uh, in all types of ways, impacted, traumatized, whatever. And that's fine. But for us and the people that I coach and the people that I teach, we need to be quick on our feet. We need to be light. We need to pursue excellence and we need to be quick. And when those kinds of people come in, we got to just kiss them on the forehead and, and, and move them out the door because we can't have those people tainting our pool, right? Just takes one drop <laughs> to, to mess up an entire body of water. So we, we're not going to do that. So in this guy's case, I just said, hey, man, it's, it's really uh, not a fit and I really appreciate it. 
if you need some referrals to some other agencies that would love to take your money and, and they don't care who they're working with, I got a list. I'm happy to forward it to you. And he huffed and puffed and, and went away. And this was another lesson that I learned is that you always want to be respectful because when I was younger and more aggressive, higher testosterone, you know, like kind of like mad at the world, I had no problem making enemies, but oftentimes it would come bite me in the rear end because I'd be creating enemies for no reason, right? It was just posturing. Now, as I got older and I, I've had many mentors and, and spoken to people, what you realize is sometimes in life, you're going to have enemies, but when you can avoid it, when it's not necessary, when it doesn't serve you, why create enemies unnecessarily, right? Dude has nothing to do with me. <clears throat> Dude is traumatized in life. His life is trauma. His life is whatever's going on. He's got to wake up and live with himself. And if that's how he talks to me and he doesn't even know me, God knows how he talks to himself, how he talks to his family, how he talks to his kids, right? That guy's life is pain. So the best I can do is figuratively kiss him on the forehead, shoo him out the door. Let's get back to making money. That right there uh, was a great layout of not only productivity, mental wellness, but also wise communication. And I'm loving what I'm hearing because in this age of information, and especially in the age of online, we're still doing a lot in person, but we're also doing a lot online. And so many keyboard warriors, people are very puffed up <laughs> on their own press clippings. And I, I've seen it where people say, oh, I need to be a jerk to build a brand or uh, I'll use a vulgar word. I, I typically don't do that here, but I got to be a dick. You know, the guys will say that. And it's like, you don't have to do that to build a brand. It's, it's, it's unnecessary. And I believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. I mean, no matter what your faith or background may be, it's universal. You will reap what you sow. So I'm, I'm loving uh, what you just laid out. And you talked in another podcast uh, as we're uh, kind of coming to a close here about melting the ice. And for those who listen to that podcast, I hope that they didn't miss it. A way to understand who's in front of you. What is their background? What's their frame of reference? Because that's a lot how I operate, which is why that podcast really resonated with me. It's like, this is how you deal with difficult people. You melt the ice. Let me just put myself in their shoes for a second. Yeah, that's right, man. You know, you, you have to, you have to, you have to put yourself as, as one of my teachers taught me, one of my mentors is you have to put yourself underneath people, right? You have to put yourself below them on the scale, put them above you, and then try to learn what it's like to be them, right? Why, why is somebody acting the way that they are? And we often see people come into our lives in a moment of uh, great tension, right? People, people will act the most extreme version of themselves when they're under pressure. And when you see people coming in like that, you have the immediate reaction of, oh, this person is that. But if you saw what happened a day before, a week before, an hour before, if something happened and this person cut in line in front of you, but it's because his, his kid is sick or his wife is sick and he's got to get their medicine, that changes everything doesn't change the fact that he cut in front of you in line, but it changes everything. So it's good to give people the, the, the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, again, to my, to my Bob Marley uh, experiment here, it was funny because I got this uh, satellite radio. It comes in Porsches now, and I'm a big collector of, uh, of Porsches. I love the brand and I collect those cars. 
And so I, I got a new one and they, you know, they sent it over here to the house and I'm sitting in the car and it's got the satellite radio. I never listen to satellite radio because I, I usually use my Spotify account, but of course they have a Bob Marley channel, which is by the way, bad. You know what? It's really good. Like it's bad as AF. I'm trying not to curse. So they got, they got this Bob Marley channel and I'm in traffic, right? I'm driving in my Porsche. I'm in the road. You know, this thing is like, you know, it's brand new. I want to give the engine a few revs, but like it's traffic. It's traffic. And I'm stressed. And this dude comes in his car with, you know, like the noisy mufflers and it just pulls right in front of me. And I'm like a little stressed. And then the Bob Marley station starts to play. And I'm just chilled out because you just can't be a, you can't have road rage while you're listening to Bob Marley. <laughs> It just doesn't happen. It's impossible to have road rage while you're listening to Bob Marley. And I kind of feel like, in general, if we took that attitude of harmony, of understanding the people around us, and having this attitude of moving swiftly through life, right? Moving around obstacles, moving quickly when it's important, and being able to slow down when needed we could all act more efficiently. Wise words, man. That That is a perfect place to, to just table it, man. <laughs> that is what Listen Then Speak is all about. Um, that's where the concurrency of our brands collaborate right there. Um, I'm going to rebel against all podcasters. <laughs> um, and you know, the, the whole question of never ask a person where you can find, I mean, obviously, Everything will be in the show notes, folks. But my boy Shaheen has always got something new popping off because he's he's done over 200 businesses. So I need to know, is there anything new that our people are expecting from you that I can put in the show notes or any new initiatives uh, as we're closing out here? Yeah. So if you guys are interested in hearing more about my story and learning how I created over a billion dollars of revenue as a teenager, check out Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Cult. It's on Amazon, Audible, and all of that. You can also check out our new podcast from my company, Podcast Cola. It's called Business Story of the Week, and that's available on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found, or simply go to podcastcola.com. Uh, the word podcast and the word cola, like Coca-Cola, uh, C-O-L-A. If you guys want to learn more about selling on Amazon, that's going to be fbasellercourse.com. And if you'd like to reach out to me, I answer all emails directly. People think it's crazy, but I do. Every single email will get a response by me. So if you want to reach out to me, it might take me a minute, but I will get back to you. My direct email is darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com or Shaheen at podcastcola.com. I hope I was able to bring some value to you today. And Jamal, it's been an honor being on your show, brother. It's been an honor having you. Thanks so much. You're a rock star, man. Thank you. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.